0: Hello and welcome to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk, ICRT's weekly interview segment, bringing you conversations from and about Taiwan. I'm Keith Manconi. Today on the show, we're going to be speaking with Taiwan-based author John Ross to discuss the re-release of his book, Formosan Odyssey, which offers a compelling look at more than 400 years of Taiwan history and cultural development. Now, it approaches much of this history through the eyes of the many Western explorers and expats uh, that have made their way over to Taiwan over the last several hundred years. You know, whether we're talking about the missionaries or the teachers or the conquerors, you know, there's a a lot of stories, uh, a a lot of adventures uh, that are tied into Taiwan's history, if you know where to look. Uh, The book also traces the misadventures of its author, Mr. John Ross, uh, is he traveled around Taiwan uh, back in 1999 in the wake of the 921 earthquake? So, kind of interweaves all of those experiences as well. Just a quick few notes about John Ross before we get going. Uh, when he wrote Formosa Odyssey in the early 2000s, uh, he was already a long term expat living in Donan Township in Yunlin County. Uh, not a whole ton of expats down there. Uh, now, several years later, he is uh, the co-founder of Camp Press, which is a publisher largely focusing on Taiwan-focused books. Uh, I've interviewed a number of his colleagues. I've interviewed some of the authors. Uh, and now the re-release of Formosan Odyssey, both in an e-book and of a hard copy as well, uh, is coming out through Camp Press as well. So I figured there would be an awful lot for us uh, to talk about, and indeed there was. So this is my conversation with John Ross. John Ross, thanks for joining us today.
1: It's great to be here, Keith. I'm a work-from-home guy, so I listen to podcasts all day.
0: Oh, good deal. Good deal. So uh, you're somewhat familiar with what uh, we're going to be doing here today. Uh, Well, let's just jump right into it. Uh, The book came out 2001, quite a bit of time ago. Uh, Taiwan has obviously changed uh, more than a little bit uh, over the last couple of years. But uh, let's start where the book came from originally.
1: Well i had come to Taiwan just to make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was finishing off a book on Burma, mm-hmm. and I was going to go to Mongolia. Mm. I didn't have any intention to write a book about Taiwan, but it was just so interesting that I uh, put the Mongolia book on hold. Still haven't finished it all these years later. <laughs> right? Uh, so little written about Taiwan. And it was just amazing, the history, of the country itself, culture.
0: So really the jumping off point for you was, uh, I want something that'll kind of uh, make this information about Taiwan a little bit more accessible to newcomers? Absolutely. So there were these old
1: reprints of uh, books from the 19th century from Far Formosa, Mm -hmm. Pioneering in Formosa, Mm -hmm. and to make those more accessible for the the modern reader.
0: Right. Uh, Because those wouldn't really tell you too much about, you know, end of the century Taiwan, beginning of the 21st century Taiwan. A little out of date is... Uh,
1: yes. Uh, you need to provide some background information for people so they can understand it. Uh, the other problem was uh, the majority of books were academic press books. hmm So these people are putting out books for their academic career. They don't give a, a damn about how many people read their books, mm-hmm. how readable they are. So there are – and there's still, there still are many uh, very good uh, books coming out on Taiwan. Mm-hmm but nobody reads them. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy for someone who can actually write to just read 20 of these books, take out the good bits, put them in a story. (laughs) A lot of low-hanging fruit there. Oh, incredible. So just uh, earlier in this year, for example, uh, there was a magnificent book came out, Mm -hmm. Accidental State, Mm -hmm. looking about how Taiwan became the uh, ROC. was quite, as the title states, accidental. Another book was... uh, american justice in taiwan Mm -hmm. about the riots in 1957 Mm. have you heard of those no No. okay so can you imagine the american embassy in taipei downtown taipei was ransacked by rioters
2: Mm.
1: Uh, files destroyed people had to flee for their lives incredible right Mm. Uh, so this book covers that but nobody knows about it Mm -hmm. nobody's going to read about it um just an academic press.
0: Right. And that's that's really what you find in this book. There were so many moments uh, as I was reading through it where I, my thought was, how do I not know about this? Because a lot of the stuff that you present, I mean, a lot of it is, you know... Uh, basic stuff that you would uh, you would learn in your first year or two of living in Taiwan and it's stuff that you really do need to learn to uh, have any understanding of Taiwan you know just the basic outlines of the history the basic outlines of the culture but then every here and there you kind of stumble on something and you're like how did I not know that opium smoking has a real connection to Taiwan how do I how did I not know that headhunting uh, has a really played a big role in the very early development of Taiwan. So uh, that was really one of the interesting things to me, all those little gems that you found.
1: Well, thanks. So the book was easy to write in terms of mm-hmm. all this low-hanging fruit, as you mentioned. But the challenge was to make it accessible to the newcomer, but also interesting to the, the old hand, someone like yourself. Mm-hmm. Still, occasionally, these little gems, wow. Well, wow. That's amazing. How did I not know that? Yeah? Right. Um, Salmanazar, the imposter. Right. Uh, the guy who uh, claimed to be from Taiwan, even though he was from uh, France uh, <laughs> back in the 1700s in <laughs> right. England. Uh, right, right,
0: right, right. Uh, the toast of London. Yes. Never uh, really got found out. Yeah. Sneaky guy.
1: Uh, the Hungarian Count. Mm-hmm. Danielski. Mm-hmm who claimed to have visited here and had various adventures and fought against Amazon women mm-hmm. in the 1700s. All sorts of uh, small things like this, yes.
0: Right. Uh, and as you, as you were kind of delving into this, I mean, as you, you kind of mentioned a couple minutes ago, uh, Taiwan is not the only place that you've looked at in, in some depth. Do you, do you feel like you discovered that Taiwan is a particularly rich place for these sort of quirky little tidbits? I mean, I, 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 it, it seems pretty jam-packed. It's history.
1: Uh might just be more a function of uh, me having married and, and living here. Mm. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no, Taiwan uh, is a little bit special, I think. There are two reasons for that. Mm. It's the geography. Uh-huh. It's an island. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's isolated. And yet it's on a pathway, mm. a main trade route. So it's been important.
0: So it's in the thick of a lot of different stuff, uh, but at the same time it it's, it's, has a, a certain amount of isolation from Correct. some of those currents. So it's a balance of
2: these,
1: uh, these mm-hmm. currents and the isolation. Then the geography of the mountains, mm-hmm. which just make it so interesting. Right. If it were flat, you would right. have one or two tribal groups. Mm-hmm. But you don't, do you? You've got you know, more than a dozen.
0: Right, and that's why it's so linguistically diverse. Exactly.
1: Mm. Um, so, yeah. When you think back, you've uh, you've got the Spanish here, mm-hmm. the Dutch, Japanese, um, the Cold War politics. Mm-hmm. You know, it just goes on
2: and on.
0: Yeah, yeah, on and on and on and on. Uh, now, as you were kind of approaching this project uh was it a challenge i mean uh, you 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 just kind of hinted at it it wasn't really that hard to find a uh, source material but i mean i guess i guess we should uh, emphasize to our readers i mean you you went pretty far out of your way to to learn about some of these topics that you were covering you you did interviews uh you 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 tracked down some old texts uh, tell us a little bit about that
1: no once again it's very easy uh, mm-hmm. you just go to a library
0: <laughs> so so the the source material uh in english is pretty uh pretty forthcoming
1: yes uh I can't read Chinese. I paid a couple of people to read books for me. Mm. And, uh, you know, university students, say, okay. Read through that. Give me the, the basic idea. And then, Okay. That sounds good. Give me a good translation of it. Mm-hmm. But no, very easy. The book has travel parts, right? Mm-hmm. So I just go around, describe my travels. It's got interviews. Mm-hmm. So you have to set that up. You can't just rely on stumbling upon someone interesting. Mm -hmm. You have to find interesting people to talk to.
0: uh, An engagement that I'm very familiar (laughs) with.
1: (laughs) And uh, yes, then reading the old books, reading the modern books, reading the academic books, and putting it in a framework, right? Mm -hmm. So I've got two frames. Loose, but two frames. Start chronologically Mm-hmm. My travels right over the course of the book where I'm traveling around Taiwan, mm-hmm. 921 earthquake through to the election, right historic election of Chen Shui-bian. Then the other framework is the chronology of the history of Taiwan mm-hmm. uh, from the early days through to 20th century. Um, it's loose, but it still gives it some frame. If there's one tip I would give on writing, mm-hmm. it would be that I don't keep a diary. Mm. So that is the you kiss of death ro- for writing. That's just like the most boring rubbish you're going to read. Mm. Uh, you don't need to know what I had for breakfast.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, so, so you can still remember all those little anecdotes and uh, in, in, interesting tidbits from your life? I just write notes. Ah, okay.
1: So it's like uh, a page with a few things scrawled on it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but not not blog form, not diary form. People might think they're going to write something for a blog and then rework it into a book. No, it's it's still going to read like a blog. <laughs> uh,
0: all right, so let's uh, so we're getting a sense there of some of the craft uh, and uh, writing craft that went into all of this. But let's uh, jump forward uh, a little bit to the publishing craft because this was re-released in 2014 uh, under a, a publishing house that you yourself had a hand in creating, Camphor Press. Had a number of your authors on the show. Have had uh, one of your co-founders on the show as well. Very uh, interesting work that you guys are doing over there. Uh, a, could you tell us a little bit about uh, why you were keen on doing a re-release? And B, uh, we should mention that Camphor Press, many of your publications are eBooks. That's kind of your focus. Uh, but this year, uh, you decided to release it in paperback. So uh, that's an interesting decision as well.
1: Well, the original run of the book had uh, run out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... We wanted to to get it out for people. Mm-hmm. Did an ebook, and it's it's the the best selling book of our books. Mm. So doing the print mm-hmm. re- uh, version, the paperback uh, version was an obvious choice,
0: mm-hmm. uh, kind of the next step. Yeah. Now you didn't you didn't change a whole lot in uh, the re-release, uh, but you did add an afterword, and I think you, you 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 tidied a couple of things up. What what were the biggest uh, changes that you felt that you had to make? You know, more than a decade later. I cut about
1: 5,000 words from the book, just tightened up the writing just mm-hmm. so that it, it runs more smoothly. Uh, so that's another tip. Ditch the diary. And the second tip, cut, cut, cut. Mm-hmm. So you, if you can cut 10% from it, that's good.
0: Be the brutal editor.
1: Yes. Uh, the other difference was the uh, the name mm-hmm. on the front. Before it was John Ross. Now it's John Grant Ross. Ooh, because I found out there's some uh, commie apologist living in Beijing and <laughs> a Marxist who, uh, who writes uh, pro CCP rubbish.
0: You wouldn't want to be thrown in with that lot, okay? No,
1: it was strange. I, I, I got this uh, negative reaction sometimes from, from my name on the internet. Mm. And I thought, who is? Who's writing this stuff? Huh? Why are they calling me a jerk? Do they know me? I don't know them. And thankfully, no.
0: <laughs> they had a different John Ross different, of mine. A different. Right. John Grant Ross. All right. right. Well, hopefully uh, there's that's enough levels of separation. We, well, we don't know what his middle name is. Right. Uh, so <laughs> it's still some small amount of danger. All right. Well, uh, okay. So that gives uh, our listeners just a little bit of a sense of uh, the work itself and uh, what it's been up to over the last 10 years or so. Um, but let's, let's really dig down into... Uh, what exactly you're doing with this and, and kind of the uh, what experience it's coming out of. This book seems to me to be coming out of a very, like, a long tradition of explorers. You know, you kind of uh, talk about many of the explorers that have come to Taiwan in mm-hmm. years past, uh, uh, whether they be missionaries or whether they be conquerors or whether uh, they be, you know, just actual explorers coming here to map things out or something like that. Uh, And that seems to be sort of a through line throughout your book. As you kind of travel Taiwan's history, uh, you you, you do find a lot of time to focus on these guys. Uh, And running parallel to that, uh, as you mentioned, uh, was your own journey around Taiwan and your own journey of discovery and uh, figuring out what this island was all about. Uh, And it's interesting. You say that uh, one of the uh, reasons that you decided to uh, start this journey in the first place is uh, one of these explorers from, uh, in this case... The 19th century, uh, W. A. Pickering. Uh, so, tell us a little bit about him and uh, why uh, his writings on Taiwan moved you uh, to try this exploration thing out for yourself.
1: Okay, uh, Pickering went to sea when he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike today, when you uh, go to university and you don't have a job until your early twenties, mm-hmm. he you know he was out on, on the high seas. Then. He got a job for the Chinese Imperial Maritime Customs. Mm. So that was collecting custom duties from uh, imports. Uh, then he came to Taiwan. He was the consul down in Anping. Mm-hmm. He was just 25 years old. Mm. Uh, and then he's having all these amazing adventures amongst the uh, Aboriginal tribes uh and heading up into the mountains, uh, mm-hmm. then he went into uh, private business, and he was involved in the camphor war, um, of the time. So, yeah, it's just so incredibly colourful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my travels are not in any way <laughs> parallel to that. It's it's done as sort of a contrast, you know.
0: Well. Par- parallel lines can be fairly far apart, <laughs> uh, if I remember my uh, geometry. But, yeah, obviously there was something about that experience uh, that was appealing to you. So was that was that part of the motivation for coming to Taiwan originally?
1: No, 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 no. Uh, so my exploration was done in other countries, Papua mm-hmm. New Guinea, mm-hmm. Burma, mm-hmm. Mongolia. Mm. Taiwan was just the place to, to, to make some money and write about it. Mm-hmm. So when I came here, it was... The convenience of teaching English back in those days in the mid-90s was very easy to get work. You could work for six months, leave, come back, get good-paying work right away. So it was uh, off to Mongolia in the summers, Mm -hmm. then back here. So I didn't have any intention of exploring Taiwan. Or, you know, when I use the word exploring, I mean traveling. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've done real exploring in other countries, Mm -hmm. but nothing here.
0: So so, so, what did you find in his work uh, and what did you take away from that?
1: Yes, um, basically reading his book and From Far Formosa just opened up, um, gave me a new look at Taiwan. I wasn't aware before I read those books just how wild Taiwan was. Mm-hmm. The number of shipwrecks, that much of the mountains were off limits until quite recent. Um days
0: uh now okay so it's it it seems like you're trying to take a step back from some of the parallels here but i mean i honestly i mean it, it seems like there's a couple of them if we look back to like the very early dutch uh that came to the island you mentioned you have this very interesting anecdote about how uh the there was sort of a missionary aspect to uh the dutch colony and uh the folks that they had teaching uh the aboriginals uh, uh, on uh, in taiwan uh were actually uh, many of them dutch soldiers mm-hmm. uh and uh the 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 priests or the clergy the more religious folk that were kind of running the show they were always complaining about how useless these soldiers were at teaching and how they were just uh drunk and debaucherous uh, I mean, I, I, I'm i having a hard time not seeing a similarity there uh, <laughs> to, to the modern expat yeah. experience. Mm, yes, I, I had
1: no idea when I wrote that down. Uh, yeah, it, it's great stuff, isn't it? Um, but when you look at it, you can choose what, what you want to take away. You can look at the mm-hmm. Dutch period and say, my goodness, the past is a foreign country. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's just so different from today. Or you can look at it and say, wow. They're just the same as we are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the Dutch the Dutch period is is amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm from New Zealand, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh,
1: Fort Zeelandia, mm-hmm. New Zealand, Fort Zealandia. Do you see any connection there? I, the,
0: the, there is a little
1: bit of a connection. I can see that. Okay. So, Zeelandia is the Latin form of Zeeland. Mm. which is sea land in English. Mm -hmm. So Taiwan, um, settled by the Dutch in the – well, the southwest area uh, in the 1600s, same time the Dutch were exploring, right, Mm -hmm. found New Zealand, Mm -hmm. Uh, called it uh, Nova Zealandia, Mm. and then Captain Cook changed it to uh, New Zealand. Mm. But it shows you at the time how important the Dutch were. Mm -hmm. So you've got these little stories of the Dutch down in uh, Anping, Mm -hmm. and uh, they're part of this huge trade Mm -hmm. network and this moment in European history. Uh, VOC is the company that uh, settled there. That's the first modern corporation. Mm. They sold public shares. That's that's really the start of Western capitalism Mm -hmm. as we know it. So yeah, it's just amazing. So many stories. I mean, I couldn't put everything in there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a chap called Hendrik Hamel. Mm. He was a young bookkeeper on board one of the uh, Dutch ships. Mm-hmm. So he set off from Anping in uh, 1653. Mm. Okay, he's just he's just 22. They get uh, they're going to uh, Nagasaki, mm-hmm. Japan. At that time, the Dutch were the only Europeans allowed to trade with Japan. Mm -hmm. So they they get caught up in a typhoon, wrecked on Jeju Island. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the survivors are taken to Seoul, uh, later sent out to the uh, provinces. He spent 13 years in uh, Korea. They weren't allowed to leave. If you turned up there, that was it. They wanted to keep it secret. Mm. But he managed to escape, and he wrote the first account of the hermit kingdom. Mm. um you know so that's that's amazing isn't it i mean mm-hmm. so my god we live in boring times don't we keith <laughs>
0: well that's i mean it's 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 funny that you mentioned that because uh a lot of times when i uh, think about the taiwan that i'm living in and i i talk to expats that have been around for a little bit longer i often think to myself man have i missed the boat if i had been here in the 90s you know, all this crazy stuff was happening in the '90s. It was so wild. All the stories that come out of that, and then I hear, "Oh man, no, the '80s. The '80s was the time to be here." <laughs> and uh, now I read this book and I see, "Oh no, no, no! It's it's the 19th century. No, for the real party, that was it was the it was the 17th century. That's when you wanted to be here." Yeah,
1: yeah. No, uh, for 1990s, uh, yeah, no, for radio, 1990s would be would, would, you'd be a radio god.
0: Well, let's not. <laughs> That's <laughs> a little too close to home That's... <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to bring that up Radio God <laughs> But I mean, did you uh, did, did, do, do you think that reflecting on this uh, History changed your experience at all uh, As you were, you know Traveling a little bit around the island Cause you've, I mean, it's interesting to read you, 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 You've kind of just jumped off uh, Into the unknown in Taiwan Not always with uh, any, any particular plan uh, And just kind of found what you found Did I? Well, you, there was some hiking uh, ex- oh, yes, ex- yes. expeditions that maybe could have used some more preparation.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, preparation. I cut cut down
0: to about two litres a day um, <laughs> before I went out, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, did did reflecting on this history at all make your own adventures seem less impressive as, as you were going through them?
1: Oh, God, yes, yes. Um, so you need a sense of humour, mm-hmm. okay? Um Otherwise, you'd drink yourself to death. Mm -hmm. No, so you can't really claim to understand everything about a country. Mm -hmm. So you need some modesty.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And, like I say, I I wish I were living 150 years ago, 400 years ago. So you know, everything I do, uh, compared to the old guys,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. or even compared to stuff I've done in other countries, Mm -hmm. is nothing. So. Uh, hopefully there's not too much ego in the book.
0: Mm-hmm. Do Do you think that it's legitimate to go to a, com- a country in the 21st century looking for adventure? I mean, do you think the adventuring days we should really put behind us? Because a lot of these guys uh, that showed up in Taiwan were really treating Taiwan like a playground. Like this was their place to, you know, just be colonial, men about town and have a good time. Uh, do Do you think that we've... Kind of turn that leaf in, in 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 history, and that's not something that that is uh, should happen in the 21st century. Oh God! Fire up the time machine. <laughs> um,
1: no, uh, yeah. So ever since I was young, I wanted to be an explorer. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, I was in Papua New Guinea by myself, mm-hmm. heading into the remotest parts I could find. Mm. And you know, I would come to these villages mm. They'd never seen a, a white person before. They were, you know, wearing grass skirts. They didn't have pots.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then it just sort of struck me, you know. Well, I had all these um, boyish ideas of finding these sort of lost villages. Mm. But these were so small. These were like hamlets. These were like <laughs> a couple of huts. It was like an extended family. And I just sort of said, hmm, discoverer of the lost family. And, uh, yeah, it cured me of that, yes, mm, yes. Doesn't
0: quite have the same ring to it. <laughs> but like you said, have a sense of humor. You can spin a good story about it uh, in any way, as long as you're a good writer.
1: Yes, uh, well, there's still a lot, there are still a lot of great stories. Um, you know, just talk to people.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, another interesting aspect of the book is that you do not shy away from... Uh, talking about some of the things that are less pleasing to you about Taiwan, uh, you have some, you know, some, the, some aspects of Taiwan. You, you you're willing to mention the downsides of uh, very uh, over rapid urbanization, the architecture, uh, the pollution, all that. You're you're not afraid to talk about that a little bit. But uh, clearly, there's something about Taiwan that has uh, drawn you in. Uh, so so is are the downsides uh, that you mention in your book are they are they real downsides to you or or is there a way in which that just makes the whole mishmash more interesting
1: yes uh, i think living out in the sticks jay county i uh, avoid some of the, mm-hmm. the problems that you might have up here just, mm-hmm. you know the crowds yeah you have to take the good and the bad the the vibrancy comes from the high population density mm-hmm. uh the chaos Mm-hmm. You're walking down a street and you have all these shops. you have life out spilling out onto the streets. you know you've got mm-hmm. a, some guy here making coffins. Mm-hmm. The next shop is um, selling dumplings and then you've got a mechanic, you've got uh, people drying food out on the on the street um and you're stepping around things and it's oh, such a hassle, but then you know that's the color that's the um the interest isn't it when you go back home. To the uh, residential suburbs mm-hmm. you're looking around the uh, the life is so far removed from uh, display isn 't it mm-hmm. so good and bad yeah
0: mm. now let's i 'm sure that this is something that you 've thought about a fair amount as a a publisher of works that focus on Asia and taiwan um, What do you think uh, it takes to make good writing? Uh, about an undercovered place like taiwan i mean obviously uh it's uh, as 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 you've sort of hinted at it's expensive to be a writer it's time consuming it's uh, attention consuming uh so so what would it take to kind of support more good writing coming out of taiwan and what would you like to see uh what kind of coverage of taiwan would you like to see that's not here right now
1: okay so uh two parts i'll deal with the last one first i'd like to see more written about the cold war mm mm-hmm. mhm uh, there are more documents coming out on that uh so yeah cold war stories you know mm-hmm. like espionage uh, uh you've got the uh the soldiers going in and going uh, doing missions in, in china mm-hmm. um things like okay so uh after the chinese uh, liberated tibet <laughs> okay uh, invaded tibet mm-hmm. there was some resistance the CIA were involved in training people, mm-hmm. okay? They took some Tibetans. They brought them over to uh, Taiwan,
2: mm.
1: all right? And then the project fell through. Mm-hmm. The Tibetans got stuck here, mm-hmm. and they're still living here.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: there are other tribesmen from Burma that were brought here, mm-hmm. Uh as part of the, a UN program to move KMT soldiers from the Golden Triangle out. But the KMT um, just put some uniforms on uh, some local tribesmen and moved them here. So it's another group of people who've been displaced mm-hmm. during the Cold War. Just interesting stories.
0: Um, so yet more uh, crazy little stories from this part of the world. Yeah, um
1: uh, or just I'd like to see niche stories, mm-hmm. okay? So I would I would say uh, I went for something general mm-hmm. with my book, sort right. of cover everything. Right. And you're still not going to make any money, all right? So just give up the idea you're going to make money. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hobby. Just yeah. write what you want to write about. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter how niche it is. Mm-hmm. Uh. Anything really niche. It could be like – uh. A Guide for Vegans or something. Mm. Ah, <laughs> you do listen to the show. Ah. Yes. Uh, okay. A good example of that is uh, an American guy, Lauren Andel, mm-hmm. and he's written two books mm-hmm. about trains in Taiwan. Mm. He's one of these train nuts. Mm-hmm. So he's a photographer mostly, so his books are picture books. Mm-hmm. And he's working on other ones. So things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just write about your interest.
2: Mm.
1: No one's going to read it anyway, so you're writing for yourself.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, let's – given that this book is uh, so chock full of uh, really interesting little tidbits and really interesting historical and cultural observations – uh, let's just close things off on uh, what this book does best and give me one of the uh, things that as you were going through the research and putting together this book that made you stop and go, how did I not know that? That's so amazing. How did I not know that thing? Can we get one more before we go?
1: Oh, it's been a while. Um, gee, the last time I was talking about this book was 2002 <laughs> and I was talking to Terry no kidding. In Kaohsiung. No kidding. He had a weekly uh, show, Community uh-huh. Radio. I was his very first guest.
0: Really? Yes. Uh, they, right there. We just we just found a little interesting <laughs> historical tidbit, uh, at least to radio people here.
1: So I can't bloody remember. Uh, hmm. Got it.
0: All right.
1: Okay. The thing that struck me was foot binding. Mm. Foot binding. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I have a whole chapter on meeting this eccentric shoe collector. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's discussed much, is it? It's not written about much. Mm-hmm. Have you come
0: across it? No, no, not. Uh, the most I've ever learned about foot binding was in your book.
1: Okay, so you have this custom for a thousand years, mm-hmm. yeah? Uh, and we almost never hear about it. Mm hmm. So for me, learning about that I already knew, you know, about foot binding, but just the how extensive it was mm-hmm. and also the sexual aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. Um and in Taiwan, the haka's of course, mm-hmm. they didn't bind women's feet, so mm-hmm. that, you know Aborigines, no. But, yes, the the Chinese settlers, the other ones, um, Mm -hmm. you know, did. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. when they married local women, when they married local women, what did they do? Bind the children or not?
0: I don't know. Yeah? They did not? Generally. So so that's kind of how it fell out? Yes. Fell out of favor. Right, yeah. And so that's, uh, you know, there's just a whole world there uh and uh picking up on uh sort of just the trajectory of taiwan's history now uh so this is of course an update uh of sorts uh, only only a decade later but you do note in a couple of spots that uh, i the taiwan has changed a lot over you know the last decade or so since you uh wrote the first book uh in some ways you say that taiwan is a nicer place to live but in other ways you say that there's kind of a, a certain dourness that has pervaded the atmosphere here, a little bit of pessimism about the the way that things are going. So uh, I guess uh, just to close things out, maybe give your perspective on uh, what's changed since uh, you first issued Formos and Odyssey.
1: Well, uh, people are earning the exact same amount of money, <laughs> including me. Well, that- <laughs> That's a thing that
0: stayed the same but <laughs> it's not supposed to stay the same. Right.
1: Uh so I mean, that's the that's the main
0: difference. I mean, you know, people feel that uh That'll make anybody dour. Yes. Um I'll tell you radio jobs are less. I'll tell you. That.
1: <laughs> uh, uh Taiwanese identity's really grown, you know, even mm-hmm. people who don't think about that kind of thing, they would just say, you know, we Taiwanese rather than before they'd say we Chinese. People travel a lot. It's great. Mm-hmm. A lot of young people going overseas. Mm-hmm. I think New Zealand and Taiwan—they had the first working holiday visa mm-hmm. uh, set up. It was wonderful, mm-hmm. very, uh, very much more international. It's easier to live here, mm-hmm. even though uh, my younger self would not come. You don't think so? No, because originally it was for the money. Remember, and it was the right. flexibility.
0: Right, right.
1: But today you can't do that. You can't just arrive and, and get a really cool job. Mm. Which is better, you know? The quality of English teachers has uh, improved.
0: It's not just any old uh, jerk that's showing up. No, so
1: maybe, maybe half of them are all right now.
0: <laughs> well, let's not get carried away. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, well, maybe twenty, thirty we'll, <laughs> percent. Well, we won't get too uh, specific on the percentage there.
1: Yeah. Um, so we're doing better than the the Dutch school, school masters, Yeah.
0: <laughs> I. All right, we can take that. We can take that as a positive note.
1: Yeah. So, you know, speaking of the Dutch and drinking, mm. did somebody mention drinking? No. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, yes. it's implied. Okay. Okay, the Taiwanese, what do they call beer?
0: Uh, Pijo.
1: Be- okay, for Chinese. And Taiwanese, mm. biru.
0: Uh, right, from the Japanese uh, term for it.
1: Right, Japanese. Where do you think the Japanese got it from?
0: English? Dutch. <laughs> It goes full circle Yes Dutch Yeah So It's a, It's it's just like inception It's like a dream Within a dream Within a dream Yes
1: But does knowing this stuff Really make any difference To your enjoyment Of the glass
0: I don't I'd like to think so Yes I'd <laughs> like to think so do you, do you think it's made A difference for you
1: Yeah uh, We don't want to be just Dumb animals Wandering around blindly Do we
0: Dumb animals That know the right terms For things Yeah exactly Yes
1: <laughs> Uh no, I mean, it's just fun, isn't it? If it's you know, if it's interesting. But yeah.
0: Uh, no. Well, then I was I always operate on the assumption that knowing a little bit more about the place that you live, uh, getting back to uh, us us dumb English teachers. I was an English teacher for for a little bit of time. Uh, that you get more invested in the place, and and you uh, get to uh, care more about it, and want to cultivate it a little bit more. Uh, and I mean, that perspective informs a lot of my work. Uh, to some extent, a lot of what I do is just directed at helping people understand the place that they're in, and, and hoping that that makes them a little bit more invested in it. Does that inf- does that sort of uh, concern inform any of the work that you did here?
1: I mm, wasn't really thinking about uh, my readers when I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I didn't have much contact with people, you know. Mm-hmm. When I lived in Donan, I once got someone to write write to me uh, with the address. That foreigner mm-hmm. Donan, and it, it <laughs> and it got right, you exactly. It yeah. you. It's a very
0: telling story about Donan.
1: <laughs> no, no, uh, but it's it's uh, it's improved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got a McDonald's now.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, I guess we'll close things out with a ringing endorsement of Donan right there. <laughs> okay. Uh, The book is For Most, an Odyssey, Taiwan, Past and Present. The author is John Grant Ross. Yes. uh, And we are very happy uh, about the re-release. And you can, of course, find that uh, at the Camphor Press website, on Amazon, wherever fine books are sold. Uh, John Ross, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Keith. Wonderful. Thanks for listening to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk. Taiwan Talk, of course, broadcasts every Monday on ICRT-FM 100. Uh, at 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. right after the Top of the Hour newscasts. You can also find the extended podcast version of the show, which is what you were just listening to right here online at the ICRT website and on iTunes. And just to really underscore this point, the book is out now once again through Camp 4 Press. You can find it in ebook form or physical book form. I guess that's called a print edition (laughs) is what that's called. I already forgot. Uh, you can find that right now. Just head on over to camphorpress.com to get your hands on that. That is going to be it for the show for today for ICRT and Taiwan Talk. I'm Keith Mancone. See you next time.